Well, good morning. And a couple days early, happy Thanksgiving to you. I, uh, I know this time of year is one of my favorite times of year for a variety of reasons. One is I, I love the fall. You wake up in the morning and it's uh, cool and crisp and the sun's up. Uh, you see the, the, the colors changing on the prairies, but also the, the leaves and the leaves falling. I, I love this time of year. I love Thanksgiving week also because it means a couple extra days off. You know, you get some time, a little longer time to kind of hang out, do some projects around the house, spend time with family and, and friends. And, of course, I also love it because of the food, right? Lots of food and lots of it's really, really good. Uh, some of my in- earliest memories of Thanksgiving are growing up on the farm as a kid, about an hour north of here. We wake up in the morning and, of course, farm kids, one of the first things you do is you go out and you take care of the livestock. So we take care of the horses and the cattle, that sort of thing. And then my dad and my brother and I would grab our shotguns and we would go hunting, pheasant hunting. And, and if there were family in town, maybe an uncle would join us or maybe a few cousins, and we'd go out and we'd hunt for a few hours. And if we were fortunate, we'd come back with a few pheasant or quail and mom would make one of those along, of course, the turkey, just in case we weren't good hunters that day. We'd always have turkey. And, and we would stuff ourselves and then we would lay around and moan, you know, for a few hours, watching TV, and then usually go back outside and play tackle the man with the football with our cousins, which was great. And, um, you know, it was just a, just a wonderful time. Maybe you have memories like that as well. And they always hopefully involve uh, family and food, friends, and some relaxation. Of course, one element that we must never forget is the element of giving thanks, right? That's why we call it Thanksgiving. Taking time to thank God for all that he has done for us, all that he is doing for us, and all that he will do for us. And so this morning, the, the, the psalm that was just read, Psalm 103, written by King David, is a very appropriate psalm to be read the week of Thanksgiving. Because in this psalm, David begins this way. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. And then, and then he goes through and he lists a lot of benefits of God, a lot of blessings that God has, has blessed us with. And he lists all these different things. But this morning we're going to be focusing in on one aspect of God's blessings, one thing that we benefit greatly from. And we don't always think of it first when we think of God, but we're going to talk about God's patience and how and why we can be thankful for God's patience. Second Timothy, or excuse me, Second Peter, verse, chapter three, verses eight and nine says this about God's patience. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some uh, some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The Lord is patient. With you, that's great news, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I get frustrated with myself at times. Um, I, I look back at my life and think, you know, I I was blessed. I grew up in a Christian home, Christian parents. I've got a great wife, good kids. I work at a great church. I've got good health. Uh, I've been blessed. And, and there, yet there are times I step back and think, you know, Doug, you should be farther along in this area of your life. There are certain characteristics or certain flaws that, I don't know about you, but they seem to kind of beset me over and over again. And I look back at my life and compare to where I was, say, 10, 20, 30 years ago and where I am now and think, you know, maybe a little bit of progress, but I still struggle with those things. 
And I wonder, you know, surely God is getting a little bit impatient with me. You know, when is he going to say, okay, Doug, you've, you've had long enough to grow here and you still haven't got this figured out. But the Bible tells us that one of God's greatest aspects and one of the things we benefit most from is God is a God who is patient. And so we're looking at five verses primarily in the middle of the psalm, verses 8 through 12 and a few after that, to look at what it means, practically speaking, that God is patient with us and how that benefits us. So we're going to be looking at four things that demonstrate God's patience with us. We'll see that God has a long fuse. We'll see that God has a short memory. We'll see that God has thick skin and that God has a big heart. The first one is God's got a long fuse. Verse 8 describes God's patience with us. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. The vernacular would be God's got a long fuse. Now, this is a quotation actually from uh, that was written down by Moses 500 or so years earlier than this in the scriptures. Uh, many other Bible readers also quote this passage, which comes from Exodus 24. And the context is this. Moses is up on Mount Sinai. And uh, this is the second time he's been up. There. The first time he went up, he came back down with the Ten Commandments and discovered that the people of Israel led by his brother Aaron, who was supposed to be in charge, but kind of didn't handle it well. The people are partying. And they built this, this uh, they fashioned this, this golden calf, and they're worshiping it. And, and the Bible tells us that there's lots of drunkenness and immorality. And, and the scripture says at that point that God was, was very angry. And he tells Moses to step back. And basically God says, I'm going to wipe these people out. And I'm going to begin a new nation all over with you. Sort of what happened back with Noah. Remember that story? And Scripture tells us that Moses falls on his face and appeals to God's goodness and his patience. And God agrees, okay, I won't wipe them out, but I'm done with them. I'll no longer go with you. You're on your own. I won't wipe you out, but you're on your own now. And again, Moses pleads with God to reconsider. And again, amazingly, God agrees. And he, he gives Moses a new set of the Ten Commandments. Because remember, they were busted when he came down and frustration threw them down. The first time. And so Moses is at the top of Mount Sinai again. And before God gives him the second set of, of, of Ten Commandments, God tells Moses, okay, step back. I'm going to pass by so you can get a glimpse of who I am, this God who is with you and for you. And it says in Exodus 34 that God passed in front of Moses and God says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love, and faithfulness. That's the verse quoted in verse 8 of Psalm 103. God has a long fuse. Now, certainly God does get angry at times. That's an aspect of his personality as well. Because of his justice, his perfection, his holiness, God gets angry, righteous anger and injustice and rebellion and sin. Um, and, and, and often we can make the mistake and have the mistaken assumption that God's patience with us really means that he doesn't really care that much about our sin and disobedience. But over and over again, the Bible tells us the reason God exercises such great patience is he's hoping that we'll use this extension of his grace, this time, to begin to turn from our sin, to seek his forgiveness, and begin to obey him. And we are to thank God that he has a long fuse. Secondly, God has a short memory. In verse 9 it says, He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. 
There's a story about a guy who was complaining to his buddy about his wife one day. He said, um, whenever we argue, she gets historical. He says, don't you mean hysterical? He says, no, hysterical, historical. She keeps bringing up the past. You know, we do that sometimes, don't we, in our relationships with others? Maybe uh, we lose our temper with our, 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 you know, with our kid because, you know, they, 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 they keep doing the same thing over and over again. And we say, this is, the, this is the tenth time I've told you this week not to do this. Um, God is a God who is not like that. God is our Father, and He will not always accuse, nor will He always harbor His anger forever. God chooses to have a short memory regarding our sin. Psalm 130, verse 3 says that if God kept a detailed record of our sins, none of us would be able to stand before Him. In Isaiah 57, 16, God says, If I kept throwing your past failures in your face, if I chose to retain an angry disposition toward you because of your sin, your spirit within you would grow faint before me and you would wither up and die. Thank goodness, thank God that once we've sought his forgiveness, he doesn't keep on accusing. He doesn't keep harboring his anger toward me. He chooses to have a short memory where our sins are concerned. God has a long fuse and God has a short memory. Thirdly, God has a thick skin. Verse 10 says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. I mean, if God punished us every time we deserved it, we would be in a perpetual state of, of, of divine retribution. And every time we turn around, we'd be being scolded because of our selfish attitude or hurtful words or prideful spirits or materialism or indifference to the needs of others around us. And the Bible word for this thick skin is God's forbearance, which is an aspect of patience. The Bible also tells us that love covers over a multitude of sins. So there are a lot of things that God never brings up to us because he's chosen not to. Love covers a multitude of sin. So God has a long fuse. God has a short memory and God has thick skin. Fourthly, God has a big heart. Verses 11 and 12 say this. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Do you know how far the east is from the west? If you look at a globe, um, you'll see that east and west are actually farther apart than north and south. So if you start here in Kansas and you go north, eventually you'll get to where? The North Pole. And then you'll begin to start to go south. Eventually the north meets the south. But if I start in Kansas and I begin to head east, I will never, ever be going west. The psalmist says God will remove our sin from us, not as far as the north is from the south, which is a long way, but as far as the east is from the west. When God has forgiven your sin, it is forgotten. And there's all sorts of metaphors in Scripture to des- describe what God desires to do with our sin. Micah seven nineteen says, God will trample it underfoot and throw it into the deepest parts of the sea. Isaiah 38 says, He'll put it behind His back when He can't see it. Isaiah 43 says, He'll blot it out. Isaiah 44 says, He'll sweep it away like the morning sun burns off the mist. And Jeremiah 31, 34 says God will refuse to remember it. He'll just block it out of his memory. How big of a heart does God have 
for us. It can't even be measured. It can't even be measured. God is patient with us as we struggle to grow up and get going in the right direction. He wants us to come to Him, to confess our sin, to trust in Christ, to allow the work that Christ did for us on the cross to be applied to our lives, to be forgiven, to know that, and to walk forward in His grace and power and love. So God has a long fuse, He has a short memory, He has thick skin, and He has a big heart. The last thing I want to talk about is God's compassion for us. We can be secure in, our, in His love for us because God not only creates us, He knows our frailty, but God is also our Father, and He has compassion for us. Listen to how David describes it. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed, he remembers that we're dust. As for us, our days are like grass. We flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over, and it's gone, and its place remembers it no more. Not a real flattering or encouraging picture of us. Short-lived flowers that blow away, dust that is here and then gone. In other words, we're not as invincible as we think we are. But the good news is that we have a compassionate Father who understands our frailty because He made us. You know, an example of this is one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament is Elijah the prophet. Uh, I like Elijah because uh, he was kind of a, a no-nonsense kind of guy. He stood up against wicked kings. He, he stood up against false prophets. He didn't need a lot of coddling. Uh, on one occasion, for example, he challenged 850 false prophets to a showdown. He says, let's see whose God is really the real God. And so he calls them together at this, this place, and they say, you build an altar, I'll build an altar, we'll make sacrifices, and we'll call for God to send fire down from heaven. We'll see who's following the real God. So the 850 false prophets do that, and they, they call upon their God, and they, they dance, and they pray, and they yell, and nothing happens. And then Elijah does the same thing. And he pours water on top just to raise the difficulty factor. And God sends down fire and it burns the sacrifice up, all the rocks and all the water. A major victory, perhaps the biggest victory of Elijah's prophecy career. But in the process of confronting the false prophets, he had, he had, he had humiliated the wicked Queen Jezebel, who sends out word, he's a marked man. I'm going to have you killed. And Elijah, who just has, this, has just had this incredible victory, and normally a very courageous man, does what? He runs and he hides. He's spiritually depleted. He's, he's physically exhausted. He's despondent. He's starving. He's in a whiny mood. He tells God, it's over. It's done with. Just end my life. But God knew that Elijah was dust. A desert flower. And God has compassion on him. He miraculously feeds him. He strengthens him. He wakes him up. He assures him he's not alone. And he sets Elijah on his feet again. Have you ever been in a place like Elijah where you throw up your hands and say, I can't take it anymore? I, I, I wish it was just over. I can't do this anymore. I can't take one more demand from my boss. I can't get one more bad medical report. I can't take losing one more friend or loved one. I can't take one more moral failure in the same area. I can't take one more morning of waking up with pain or 
Another sleepless night with an infant or because of a struggling child? I can't take it. Doesn't God know I can't take it? God does know what you're going through because He created you. He knows your frailty and He's a God of compassion, a God of love. And because of our limitations and because of our weaknesses, He is patient with us. And for that, we are to be thankful. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you, Lord, that your word tells us over and over and over again that you are a God who is patient and loving and kind and faithful. Lord, that you desire that we turn to you and know you personally, that we come to you and have our cleanse, our, our sins cleansed. We thank you, Lord, that your word tells us that when we are forgiven, those sins are, are gone in your sight, gone in your memory. That's an incredible thing to think about, Lord, but we thank you for that fact. Lord, we pray that we would not forget the benefits, the benefits of your patience in our lives. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. And we offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our prayer team would take uh, their place at the end of this hallway on the side. Uh, if you're here today and you'd like somebody to pray with you after the service, please join them there at that time. And now may the love of God the Father, the grace of Jesus Christ, His Son, and our Savior, and may the power and fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with you now and always. Go in peace and serve the Lord with grateful and thankful hearts. Amen. <laughs>